You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Let us pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, for this day we give you thanks. Be with us now. Um, speak to us. Open your word to us and let, uh, let us see you and let us hear you that we would believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so this morning, hoping to finish up a series and some new faces here, which is great because really what I'm going to try to do this morning, we'll see how effective it is in a half hour, uh, go through the series that we've been going through the past, really since Rally Day, um, that you would believe it's been a sort of a skipping stone through the Gospel of John with a lot of different art. And so we're going to go back and hit some of the, the high points of some of the art, tell the story again, I hope anyway. And then lead up to John chapter 20. In some ways, the conclusion of John. I say in some ways because there is a John chapter 21, which is typically seen as a an epilogue. If you, uh, as we'll read John 20 today, Lord willing, we'll hear that it, it finishes very nicely with the purpose statement of the book. And all this and many more happened, and this was all written so that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you would have life eternal. That's a nice sort of purpose statement, isn't it? Um, a nice uh, summary of a book. And we took that and went all the way back to the beginning and have been working that through um, uh, through John 1 all the way now to John 20. Yeah. Do you know why there's sound coming out of speaker? Because, Frank, can you do this? Rather than me climbing over, you open those cabinets. I think the left cabinet door and then there's a knob and turn that knob all the way there's probably a release down on the bottom. Yep. Oh, you're a good man. Um, you see a knob like right there and then turn all the way to the left. Did that help? Um, did that get it? Okay, good. Um, now you all know one of the secrets of the Advent. That's really clever. Um, uh, so all this is written. And then as we read it and then hear it, all this is read and heard so that we would believe. And then here's the here's the one string I've been plucking for 10 weeks or however long it's been. I am going to trip before the end of this day. Um, uh, is that we would believe, which is to say we would be given, passive tense, gift. That we would be given the gift of belief. The gift of, I am really all over the place. <laughs> That we would be given, I'm going to stand right here, um, we would be given the gift of faith, the gift of belief, um, that by believing we would have life in his name, uh, that this is not something we do, this is not a work, so that no one would boast, from Ephesians 8, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, uh, that faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of Christ, um, Romans 10, and all this is done so that we would have life and life everlasting, John 3. And this gift, this gift, this gift, it comes to us through our ears. And we'll look back at the the, uh, the sculpture that we looked at last week, somewhere along the way, the listener, where hearing is the uh, uh, is the mode, the sense that um, this is delivered, that we move from death to life, from weakness to strength, from light, from darkness to light, uh, that the gift spoken comes into effect. And it is uh, uh, as the word is spoken and things come into being, as in Lazarus come forth, which we looked at 
and read from Crime and Punishment and looked at some other pieces where the words spoken to the dead man, as John said elsewhere, and what is that, John 5, that the day is coming and now the hour is here where the dead shall hear. And it goes, as it were, six feet under and the, the vibration falls on the ear and life is given again. Reminiscent of Ezekiel 37, the valley of dry bones um, where the, the, the word goes forth and the bones rattle and they, they, uh, they're brought back together and then they're breathed on. And that's going to be here in, in John 20 um, where Jesus is going to breathe on the disciples just like he breathed life into Adam who was humus, who was dirt. And he came up and then just like the dry bones which were basically dirt and then the life, the breath of God, the spirit was blown into him. And then again, peace be with you. And now the word spoken brings into effect the very thing spoken and all of our anxiety and all of our tension and all of our worry and all of our our death and all of our flesh and all of our our uh, our not is given what is and that's peace and peace in the sense of almost like shalom uh, a word that a lot of us will have some familiarity with where whatever that means in Hebrew uh, we know it's more than just uh, the absence of conflict it's a sense that all things and all manner of things are well it's good it is well with my soul um, Something like what it was in the beginning when God was and then there was the Word and the Word was God and the Word was with God, John 1, and what it will be like at the end when he comes back uh, and every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and sin will be removed from us completely. Better, we will be removed from sin's presence completely and there will be shalom. We're about to hear the Christmas pageant um, from our fifth grade. And this is where the wolf lies down with the lamb and, you know, it's all going to be well. And somehow there's going to be a peace which passes understanding, which pervades our very pores and it goes all the way into our corpuscles. And death will no longer have sting. It will be no more. And we will be at peace, peace with God and peace with one another. For therefore, uh, the same one who raised Jesus Christ from the dead and delivered him up for our trespasses and raised him for our justification. Therefore, uh, you who are justified by faith have peace. Romans 4, 24 through 5, 1. Um, uh, that's all the intro. So let's look at some pictures and kind of capture this again. So we started and we've been in this place uh, from the Eisenheim altarpiece. Get over here so you all can see. Um, uh, by Matthias Grunewald, uh, and it's a good place to start. Sir, we wish to see Jesus, or we would, we wish to see Jesus. The Greeks come uh, and they ask Andrew, can we see Jesus? And we, we we're sort of thumping that string where this is what we want um, with all this not peace and with all this death and with all this dislocation and displacement and all this just ball that's sort of, you know, in us where we know that something's not right. You know, me, my family, my life, my friends, myself, you know, I'm getting everything. There's just, it's not good. Like it said when sin entered the world, it is not good. Um, we would see Jesus. We need to see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. And here's John the Baptist, the great um, uh, messenger, the one who comes, the revelator, you might say, who reveals uh, Christ to us, where we then come and see his words out of John 3.30. He, 
he, his long bony finger, we've been tracing that finger for 10 weeks now, or however long it's been, phrase of Karl Barth, the long bony finger of, of, uh, of John the Baptist, which points away from himself and points to the man on the cross. He, and this is what this Latin means, he must increase, and I must decrease. I must decrease. I have to get smaller. Because of him, the finger tells us, I exist. Without him, I am nothing. And in this him, we would see Jesus, and the answer comes in oh, it's not quite it. The answer comes in no uncertain terms. We would see Jesus. And how do we see him? Hung on the tree. And this is what John is going to keep telling us again and again and again in so many ways that unless the Son of Man is lifted up, or when the Son of Man is lifted up high above, and it's that double entendre of lifted up in glory and the exaltation of all things, as in, like, we, like Isaiah and like we'll hear about in the pageant, when, uh, when Christ comes again the second and final time, and time itself is rolled up like a carpet, and all things and all manner of things are at their end. It is finished once finally and for all time. At that time, he'll be high and lifted up and exalted. But also in this time, the hour has come, and it is now here, Jesus said so many times, uh, that here you would see God. For no one has seen God, John 1, except Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is in the bosom of the Father. He has made Christ, he has made God known. And how do we know God? We know him high and lifted up on a tree. Pierce for our transgressions. I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll see that in just a minute. So here's back to the Son of Man, just some weaving some of the themes we've been in. And again, this really sets up well as we're beginning Advent. Um, it's in three weeks, four weeks, four weeks that we'll hear the Christmas pageant. We'll hear these words, the prophecy of Daniel, where the Son of Man, and we looked at this a couple of weeks, it's almost the inversion of what we would intuitively think of, where the, the title Son of God is really more a statement of humanity and the title son of man is more a statement of divinity why well we're all sons of god um as paul would say in galatians and david is referred to often as a son of god and just like a son as in uh not just a creature but now made an adopted son of the the the, the creature we're all sons of wrath initially, and then adopted into the family of God, into the God, the fatherhood of God by Jesus and his death, we all become sons and daughters of God. But there is one son of man. And why do we get this phrase? Out of Daniel. And this is Jesus' favorite title, self-referential title. He likes to call himself the son of man. And so as I looked, and so the Ancient of Days, this is a William Blake painting called the Ancient of Days, a little bit of a, uh, a fourth commandment thing going on here. Make no graven image. But here's God, the Father, the Heavenly Father, sitting high and lifted up as the Ancient of Days and reaching down and, uh, and doing God things. As I looked, thrones were placed in the Ancient of Days. God himself took his seat. His clothing was white as snow and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. And behold, and I always like to stop at that word, just... Join me in my little uh, dance the last several years. I read the scripture and I see that word all the time now. And when you see it with me, that's the word of repentance where we're being turned, as I would say. It's not us 
just like the gift of faith, the gift of belief, it's the gift of repentance where the Word is doing the work. God himself is turning us and exchanging the heart of stone for the heart of flesh. So even our repentance, which is necessary, Lord, I repent of my sins, but that has to be the work begun, continued, and ended by him. And the word behold is the word of repentance. Behold, see, hear, taste, touch, smell the way things actually are. This is going to be Thomas's cry in just a minute. Uh, of behold, see the way things are. It's like the rattle of scripture that says, um, here's what's truly true and really real and actually actual. Behold, in our ears here, with clouds of heaven, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom of, uh, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. We'll hear our fifth graders. I mean, that's the last line, then we all clap and just cry a little bit because it's just it's Christmas, but that's later. The Son of Man um, coming, and then what does Jesus say about the Son of Man? Remembering, we wish to see Jesus, and Jesus answered him, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Glory, both the double entendre being lifted up and revealed finally, fully, and for all time, as the one who comes from heaven, uh, the Lord over all, but also glorified in terms of no one has ever seen God. Jesus Christ, in the bosom of the Father, he has made and is making God known. John 1.18 And so here is the glory of God hung on a cross. And that paradox, that awful, awful paradox of seeing the glory of God known in something so ugly and so base and so offensive, so scandalous, the scandalon, as Paul calls it, um, uh, with the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Again, John the Baptist words twice in John 1 and John 3. Behold, there's that word again with his finger, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the Lamb without blemish, blood coming out of his neck into a chalice. Again, John, John 6. For unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have no part of me. You have no eternal life. And so all this is tightly wound, which is why we've been with this painting, I think almost every week for the entire time. Just coming to this place of... Uh, of recognizing the Son of Man and His glory. And this has been the second image that we've looked at more than any other, um, uh, remembering the, the idea of being lifted up and the hour has come. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, and that's what's going on back here, where Moses lifting up the object of death, all the snakes which have come, and because of Israel's disobedience, this is what, Numbers 20, I think it is? Um, uh, inviting Israel, and they're all dying. And this is where we get the caduceus for medicine and all that, the instrument of death, which becomes life because the, God said, make a brazen serpent and raise it on a pole. And if you look upon the pole, you shall be healed. And so that's what's going on back here. John loved that idea. And so he brought it right before the famous John 3.16, John, John 3.14, uh, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, and the instrument of death becomes unto us life. And Jesus answered, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Uh, 
The crowd answered him, Who is this Son of Man? And when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him, precursor of the cross. And Jesus said, I, well, that's, that's a diversion. Just pulling back the, uh, uh, the, 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 the picture, the Weimar altarpiece from Lucas Cranach. Um, so let me hit pause. About to go to um, shift gears just a little bit. But I'm throwing a ton out there. Some of y'all are hearing this for the first time. Others have been here for most of the series. Just looking at some of these images. Thought or two? Comment or two? So you're saying Jesus replied to the Greeks that came said, show us Jesus. It's, he doesn't really answer them. He, he says, I'm going to be glorified. That, what, the thing you need to see is me on the cross. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, they came to Andrew. Andrew went to two other disciples. Then they went to Jesus. Jesus didn't just sort of, let me show them a miracle. Then the next chapter, early in the next chapter, 20 verses down, he talks about this, the hour has come and it is now here for the Son of Man to be lifted up. And that's how you will see the Son of Man. To see Jesus is to see God. We're going to see that in Thomas in just a minute. And this is how you see God for us. Woo, that's a. Um, can I answer that later? Yeah. Um, let's do that. I just think it's hard when you're saying we need yeah. to start with the cross because it kind of flips everything. I like to think of Jesus having already risen. Yeah. And I guess that's my question. Yeah. Has to do with the mass mostly, um, and whether Christ is represented well, each time. So yeah. You were saying gaze on that when you're. Yep. In pain. Yep. When you need to be. Yeah. Believe when you need to go, that's the place to start. Yeah. Not yeah. Whether it's the crucified for our sins and raised for our justification. I do want to say the empty cross is the the mark of a, of a, of Christ's victory for you. Yes. Um, uh, but I'm not going to get hung there. So, good question. I'm not dodging that, but let me go on if that's okay. okay. So, um, anything just. Resonant with the uh, the pictures, this really arresting picture of Christ in the tomb, Hans Holbein, 1520. We looked at this, and it's it's about this big and about that big. In other words, it's the size of an it's it's a regular portrait. Um, it's full size. A man who's about five six in a tomb. It's about 18 inches wide, uh, and it's right at eye level. This is in um, Basel, I think. Uh, a very arresting picture. Uh, and here's, in fact, Mike Weeks read some of this, um, some of the Isaiah pictures, where again, the one who was high and lifted up for us, for his death, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He bore the sin of many and makes intercessors for the transgressors. For the sake of time, I'm going to move forward. Some detail from the Eisenheim piece, um, uh, picking out First Peter, by himself, he himself bore sins in his body on that tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you have been healed. Um, Leslie pointed this out once. Um, uh, this painting, the, the Eisenheim piece that we've been looking at, um, this is in a hospital, um, or it was a hospital then, uh, in the early 16th century for uh, people who were dying of skin diseases, um, not just leprosy, but some others. And so you can see then the detail of what the painting actually looks like all the people would have been dying of these kinds of wounds in Colmar. And they come, and they have this near identification of that man 
if he has what I have, well, then maybe there's hope for me. Because if that death is for me, and somehow that death is final and an exchange, a redemptive death, well, then maybe I have hope. And so it's just a real, almost a 21st century feel to it that, 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 that Grunewald would take that kind of, of care to, uh, to, to, to create that, that, that kind of identity with, um, uh, with the patients. And then here's, um, now nah, we're going to move, we've got to go. Um, uh, this great sculpture, one of my favorites, um, uh, called The Listener, just the oversized ear. And this brings us to uh, John chapter 20. Let me read it. Um, what is happening? Um, so Christ has died. Um, Easter morning has happened. Um, Mary confuses him for the gardener. Uh, then Mary speaks to her, speaks to Mary, just by saying her name, Mary. And her eyes were opened. She beheld Christ, and she cries out, Rabboni, or Rabbi, teacher. Uh, and he breathes on her and gives her peace. She runs back. She tells the disciples, I have seen the Lord. They run. They don't find him. But he comes back later on Easter night. Um, so that's where we are. On Easter, the first Easter night, they're in the upper room, probably the upper room. They're somewhere, and the door's locked. Um, even though uh, Mary is seen her, and Peter and John uh, have beheld the empty clothes, um, that the tomb is empty, uh, we find this. This is that's the that's what's happened so far in John 20. And then on the evening of that day, first Easter, um, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, uh, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. So there's that again, that word of shalom, that word not just of uh, uh, don't, don't worry, be happy, don't, uh, don't have concern, uh, there's no more conflict. It's not just that. It's really a much more encompassing word. Therefore, since there is, no, since there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, here, have peace. And that ink, the black ink of the X-Files, said that once, and some of y'all remember that show, which sort of goes and it sort of sinks in. That's what the word, that's the image I usually have when I have this in mind. That the word spoken then uh, creates the very thing which it describes. Um, here, have life. Here, have peace. Have belief. Have salvation. Have no fear have uh, a living and active faith where your feet find themselves moving and your hands are busy and as heat follows fire. So Christians find themselves in the world doing the things of God. Here, have all that and it's pure gift, um, passively received, but then actively expressed. As Paul would describe it, faith expresses itself in love. Loving acts, loving attitudes, loving orientation out and towards the world. And all this comes through hearing. So, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And then Jesus said to them again, same word, peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And so now here's John's commission, as it were. The one who is sent becomes the sender. He said again and again and again that I've been sent by my father. I've been sent by my father. It's a strong theme which we've been following. 
And now he's about to remember um, Genesis 2, where, where, where he breathes into the nostrils of Adam in Ezekiel 37, 37, 39. It's Valley of Dry Bones. It's one of those. Um, where the breath of God blows and... And, uh, and stirs up the dry bones. He breathes on the holy on the uh, on the disciples. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, "Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold the sins from any, it is withheld." And so here's John's commission: receive the Holy Spirit, receive the new life in the Spirit, uh, have peace, and then go out into the world doing what? forgiving sins. Isn't that an interesting commission that each one of us are given? To go out in the world, that's what absolution is, is to absolve somebody, to be absolved, is to free, to free them from their sins. Speak the word of the gospel to people. Go out into the world, as Mark would also say, proclaiming the gospel to the whole creation. And that's John's commission to you and to me. And then he continues, And now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the marks of his hands and the nails, uh, uh, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the marks of the nails and place my hand in his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were once again, were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. He really wants to make sure we get that. And then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here and see my hands. Here's something to look at. Um, put your fingers here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. And here's the word that you would believe. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. So let me hit stop. That's clearly the high point of the gospel. We're almost at the end. We're three verses away. John, in a very, it's, it's a great literary piece. He has been building all this tension. And nowhere else in all of the scripture, from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, is there anything like this exclamation of Thomas, my Lord and my God, to put the divinity right here in human form, right closing John 20, the end of John, with John 1, and the word was made flesh and dwells among us, full of grace and truth. And now, behold, and his eyes are open, and he recognizes divinity, man divine, right in front of him with his finger in his side. Although John doesn't say exactly that, but, but here it is. My Lord and my God. Um, and this is Caravaggio, just one of the great paintings. You look at two other disciples, we don't really know who they are, probably Andrew and Peter, perhaps. And here's Thomas. And you can see, and Caravaggio just gets it. Even the tension, I mean, it's like he's, he's, he's guiding his hand in, and he, he doesn't want, he's not willingly do it. He's not pulling back, but it's definitely strong. Look at the strength, it's like he's pulling, but not like a tug of war, but just enough like, no, put your hand in my side so that you would believe. And then grossly, I showed this to Maymay last night. He's like, oh, God, so sorry if that's the... I mean, viscerally, his viscera, put your finger here. My blood shed for you. Um, eat my flesh, drink my blood, have eternal life. Here, peace be with you. And then just the intention 
just locked on, cannot believe, and yet, do I dare? Do I believe? Is this the Christ? And then John continues, um, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which were not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So, um, bells are ringing. Maybe this is a good place to end. Um, that you would believe. That's the, that's the whole string that I've been thumping here for all these weeks. Um, that you would believe. That you'd be given the gift of belief. That you'd be given the gift of faith. That we would all hear the gospel. The freeing power of the gospel. That your sins are forgiven. And that you have peace with God. A peace which passes all understanding. Uh, that you have been salvationed by God. And now sin's power uh, is, uh, uh, is its penalty is removed, its power is being neutralized, and one day it shall remove from your presence forevermore, um, just as it is for all those whom we love, who live now with God in an unmediated, unclouded, unpolluted, uncorrupted relationship with the Heavenly Father, my Lord and my God. Um, these things were all written that you would believe and hear, have peace. So let me pray. Lord, take these words humbly and, uh, and feebly offered and multiply them by your grace so that we would believe and that by believing we have life in your name um, uh, and our joy would be complete and that your work being done in your way would never lack for anything needed. Um, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.